Ready for a three-day weekend? Thank you, Juneteenth. Um, as to what Juneteenth is, a lot of folks are still understandably iffy on that because we are having a very insincere conversation nationally about race. And Juneteenth came about for, uh, to make it a holiday, not so complex reasons to get Trump, all right? It was a wedge issue, and that's too bad. It really is. But three-day weekend, here it comes. We have a cookbook first, Watermelon and Redbirds. It's a cookbook for Juneteenth and Black Celebrations. The start of Juneteenth celebrations kicking off across the Bay Area. Bronx is honoring Juneteenth with a flag raising at Borough Hall. Today's a special day because it's Juneteenth. Black Food and Wine Experience honors Juneteenth, the holiday that celebrates the end of slavery. Soul of a Nation presents Sound of Freedom, a Juneteenth celebration. The event special premieres Friday at 8, 7 central on ABC. I'm honestly not into it. Number one, I don't think we need a three-day weekend. The federal employees don't. The federal government does. Not just two weeks before July 4th. A moment, a July 4th, you know, for everybody... Everybody's proud. It brings people together. But the Juneteenth conversation wasn't a real one. It was used as a political weapon to get Trump. It really was. Here's Joe, uh, barely hanging on, announcing the Juneteenth uh, holiday declaration. And today uh, we consecrate Juneteenth uh, for what it ought to be, what it must be, a national holiday. Of course it must be. Joe Biden's been passionate about Juneteenth since he got to office all the way back in 1972, right? No. As a matter of fact, he never mentioned Juneteenth, okay, for 48 years. Never crossed his mind. Never knew anything about it. He still doesn't seem to know exactly what it is. He's going down to Texas on Juneteenth, right? The first major massacre, literally speaking, of the uh, Black Wall Street, right, years ago. Um, wrong. That's not true, Joe. Uh, still struggling after all these years. Uh, what is Juneteenth for real? On June 19th, 1865, a Union general and some 2,000 troops arrived in Galveston Bay, Texas, to tell more than 250,000 freed black people that they no longer had to live enslaved. Oh, freedom. Wow. Significant. All the way back, of course, in the 1800s. Why did it become an issue, though, all of a sudden? Why so much urgency? It was to get Trump. Remember during COVID, and he was aching to get back on the campaign trail, and he had an event scheduled for June 19th, and all hell broke loose. How could he have it on June 19th? What a racist! Because everybody knows what Juneteenth is at the time. No one knew, but it was just a way to get Trump. And, well, that's why we have Juneteenth, by the way. His enemies can be happy. This is what they said at the time. Trump is so oblivious, he didn't even realize how messed up it would be to have a rally on Juneteenth. Listen, Brother Trump, I'm born in Tulsa, so I don't want to get started with Tulsa now. Donald Trump originally planned his first rally on Juneteenth just right by the site of one of the worst racist slaughters in American history. Yeah, um, these were not top of mind. They were used, though, as an issue to get Trump once again, to make him appear 
as a racist. And I do believe he is the least racist person you'll meet. But it was Trump. So you could do anything, say anything, and you could lie like crazy. And boy, did they. Take a look at this from Michael Bender in his book. And we caught him in a big fat lie. Again, number one, he writes, and it was serialized in Politico way back. Trump's response was also impaired by his stunning disregard for history, particularly compared to most other, other modern presidents. Remember that part, other modern presidents. Two days after announcing his rally, Trump turned to a Secret Service agent who was black and asked him about Juneteenth. Yes, the agent told Trump, I know what it is, and it's very offensive to me that you're having this rally on Juneteenth. Now, the moment I read that, I knew that was not true. <laughs> I know the White House. I know the Secret Service. No agent said to Donald Trump that he was being disrespectful, that it was offensive to him. And again, in 2020, people were hazy on what Juneteenth was. It's true. Next, according to the reporting, the backlash shocked Trump. He started quizzing everyone around him. Do you know what it is? Trump would ask. So <laughs> this is uh, based on 20, a 2020 interview that made its way into a book. We found that 2020 interview. There's no reference to any of this. None. They made it up. Just <laughs> the reporters do that. Here's the actual transcript from the interview itself. Donald Trump brings up uh, Juneteenth. Mr. Trump, I did something good. I made it famous. I made Juneteenth very famous. It's actually an important event. It's an important time. But nobody had heard of it. Largely true. Next, please. Very few people have heard of it. Actually, a young African-American Secret Service agent knew what it was. I had political people who had no idea. Now, that's the transcript. There's no reference to this Secret Service agent telling the president of the United States it's offensive that you're doing it. But that's what they do. They lie. All right. So now it's famous. Now it's famous. It wasn't famous. What did he say? Modern political presidents, Donald Trump's stunning lack of awareness. What did Barack Obama do for Juneteenth? We looked it up. Nothing. Take a look. This is Juneteenth, 2009. Time for him to tell jokes. I want to ex express my appreciation for the opportunity to tell jokes that uh, weren't funny enough for me to use when we did this five weeks ago. <laughs> Wow, he can tell jokes on Juneteenth, but President Trump can't have a political rally. How about that? Um, what happened in 2013? As I've said, uh, Angela and I don't exactly look like previous German and American leaders. Wow, wow. Again, cracking jokes. He has no respect for African-American history. I'm sorry. And it continues like this in 2016. At the White House, he had uh, the old Bulls theme song, and I, I, it set a very high bar, uh, as if I was Michael Jordan coming out. Wow, 2015, cracking jokes on Juneteenth, that solemn day. So offensive, isn't it? Of course not. You know what would be great? Martin Luther King. More discussion about Martin Luther King. You know, we actually did have a national conversation a long one, a controversial one about making MLK Day a national holiday. I'm glad it is, actually. Judging people by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. 
How quaint, quite frankly. You notice the liberals, they actually roll their eyes at Dr. King and his legacy today. How sad. All right. Hey, I got a question. Do you think Nancy Pelosi knows what Juneteenth is? Hmm? With all of the um, constraints that COVID has played, look, we have the war in Iraq, we have COVID. Yeah, war in Iraq. You know, it'd be one thing if she were just some kooky congresswoman, but she's second in line to be president of the United States. If anything happens, she could be president of the United States very easily. And of course, first in line is Kamala Harris. We could play hours of her being weird. You've seen it all before. She is vice president of the United States. Wow, just one spot ahead of Kamala Harris. And of course, Joe Biden is president. And uh, all right, just a little moment from this week. I don't want to hear any more of these lies about reckless spending. We're changing people's lives. He's the president of the United States. And uh, so the three of these folks, right? I mean, this is these are the our country is what, 330 million people. These are the top dogs right now. And they come up with the craziest things. This digital governance board. Remember that this was an attempt to uh, further silence conservatives. A lot of folks were really, really disturbed by this. So they they had to give it up. But they're back. They're back with uh, something different. Now, Mayorkas was the front of this. Remember this crazy guy? So they're trying a new tact. They gave it a new name, the Task Force to Fight Online Harassment. And they have a new front person, at least a, a promoter, a great tennis player by the name of Sloan Stevens. Okay. I mean, this is definitely more attractive, more appealing than that creepy Mayorkas. But she came out. And she said some things that, quite frankly, are wrong and potentially dangerous. Take a look. Out of sheer survival, I've spent my career trying to desensitize myself on how unacceptable this is, escalating to authorities when credible and constantly in therapy to process. Okay, she's complaining about being bullied online. I mean, I'm sorry it happens to her. It happens to a lot of people. But constantly in therapy? I don't know. I don't know. There are already laws against threatening anybody. You can call the cops right away. The way they're going here, though, seems to be censorship. Another attempt to censor what people are talking about on the internet. They can couch it behind this pretty sports figure. But then I thought about all the people out there who don't have a team filtering their messages or a direct line to law enforcement or access to mental health services. What about them? What about the young boys and girls and people of color or anyone that's terrified that they will be harmed or are driven to harm themselves? I'm here today for them. Look, everybody in America has a direct line to law enforcement, 911. And given what's happened over the past two years, we don't know exactly how long it'll take them to respond in certain circumstances. But I don't like this thing. Again, it sounds good, but they're setting up potentially censorship. And we know that's what they want to do. Kamala hiding behind, again, the LGBTQ and communities of color. One in three women under the age of 35 report being sexually harassed online. Over half of the LGBTQ plus people in our country are survivors of severe harassment. Nearly one in four 
Asian Americans report being called an offensive name. Black people who have been harassed online in our country are three times more likely to be targeted, again, because of their race. Look, I hate bigotry. We all do. Um, but we also hate the government getting involved in this kind of thing. And they're going to be the arbiters. That digital governance board, it was just canceled. It was too, this is too close to that. I don't trust them. All right. You shouldn't either. And there are bigger and more important things to worry about than, I'm sorry, that tennis player getting uh, nasty comments online. How about North Korea? How about Iran? How about ISIS? How about the world? This is serious stuff, okay? It feels we haven't had a major terrorist attack from overseas in this country in a long time. It could happen. It could happen. And our Department of Homeland Security guy, what is he spending his time on? Job preservation and giving Joe Biden talking points and using his talking points. The greatest terrorism-related threat that we face in the homeland is the threat of domestic violent extremism. Individuals drawn to violence because of ideologies of hate or false narratives propagated on social media and other online platforms. And the most prominent um, threat is the threat of white supremacists. That is not true. It's not true. And he went to Harlem to deliver that message. Iran, North Korea, the remnants of ISIS, these things are more important. Mayorkas, though. Mayorkas, he's no longer going to be the front man of our misinformation efforts. You got to have people like this. Sloan Stevens, all right? You got to make it kinder, gentler. You got to talk about women and LGBTQ. I don't trust them. I think they're going to try the same thing. And I said delivering talking points. The more I look at this situation in Idaho, they arrested all of these so-called white supremacists who are on their way, they say, to cause a disturbance at a pride gathering. But they did not cause a disturbance. They were thwarted before they got there. This is, this is not the American way. You think about a crime, that's one thing. You have to start to execute it to get arrested. And I wonder if this may have been, may have been partially set up so Joe Biden just the next day for a pride event could say this. Just look at what happened in Idaho last weekend. 31 white supremacists stopped just before they reached the pride celebration where they apparently planned to unleash violence on people gathering peacefully in a show of their pride. I'm grateful for the swift response of law enforcement. And they responded. They responded. The FBI has been acting more and more political every single day. Could they have uh, orchestrated some of this, something like this, or exacerbated it or exaggerated the threat to give Joe Biden a talking point? Uh, crazier things than happened. Remember when the country went nuts about the, uh, the attack on Jesse Smollett? Remember when that seemed real? Hey, they still tell us that this is real, that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. Yeah, yeah, uh, sure. Stay with us. John Hinckley, who tried to kill President Reagan, is out there making music. At least, at least they canceled a concert he was going to give. They said it was sold out. Details when we come back. Rob 
Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app and it downloads directly to your smartphone so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's All I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? Um, the fake news has been encouraging this, um, well, transsexual mania, this obsession with drag queens, and apparently it's okay for them to hang out with kids. It's not, of course, but it's catching on. It really has to be stopped. And uh, some very ignorant people are just going along with it. Feeling like a woman, but it's not a woman. And I saw a grandmother and a child, and they gave her a $1 bill. You know, like happens at the strip club sometimes, a long time ago, maybe, right, kind of. Maybe it's $5 now. Um, That's a man dressed as a woman. And I know they'll say, I'm ignorant, but I just don't think this should be around children. Okay? Call me corny. Call me whatever you want. Most people agree. Now, it's one thing, I guess, for an event like that, you know, they went to a restaurant and it seemed to be private. And But what about good old story time, you know, reading hour? They look so happy together. And they look scrumptiously ever after. Well, this is hideous. This is hideous stuff. And now it's so commonplace. Why do they want it so badly? I actually do think there's an element of child grooming here, and it's disgusting. I am now a father of two pretty new kids. One's two and a half, and the other is just six months. Uh, This ain't happening with them, and I don't care what they say. Uh... We have to get our collective hands around this. This has to stop. Joe Biden says he has their back. That is wrong. You know, if only Joe Biden would actually have the back of the people who are genuinely genuinely under attack. Yes, like Asian Americans. It's happening. It's happening. Joe only cares when it's politically expedient, when he can go and falsely blame it on a, on a white supremacist, even when law enforcement tells him it's not a white supremacist. This is not coming from... White supremacy, okay? You can look at the pictures. It tells a, a certain story. By the way, this tells a, another story. It's kind of nasty. A viral video, a woman saying awful things about the people she's encountering in an Asian-themed restaurant. Take a look. You are Chinese, not me. Okay, I got my camera. I got my camera calling me back. Chinese, thank you. You want me to spell it for you? You are Chinese, Okay, thank you. Okay. Can't stop. Okay, I have her on camera saying that. Who gives a 
police. What they gonna do? You're a Chinese. I said in front of them, you're a Chinese. Now what? We can trespass you. Okay, you're going on Facebook. Take your back to your country. Ching Chong. <laughs> now that's pretty awful stuff that is horrible bigoted language and the way things work it's on facebook she loses her job and uh cancel culture swoops in and maybe that's right again i don't condone that language but i don't like cancel culture either and what about forgiveness? What about it? What about understanding? What about learning? You know, I, got, I happened to get a letter. Um, I didn't open it until the other day. I, it was in my drawer since February. I'm sorry about that. I'm going to leave the name out because it's kind of sensitive here. Um, but she writes, Dear Greg, I so appreciate your position on cancel culture. I think people who are eager to cancel others need to spend some time looking in the mirror, not to admire themselves, but to be reminded of their own mistakes and past behavior that they're not proud of. I can think of a particular incident that I feel ashamed of. I was in my mid-20s. I am 60 now. And I'm grateful that only my therapist and I know what I did. I still can't believe I was capable of acting in such an unkind way, and I continue to make living amends to the group that I harmed. That experience taught me that good people, especially when young, can fall prey to their bad instincts. We all need forgiveness, and we all need to mature and change for the better. But bad behavior sometimes needs to be called out publicly, but things have certainly gone too far with cancel culture. Very truly yours, and I'll leave out her name. I appreciate the letter. Um, there's something to that, don't you think? I mean, everybody canceling each other with these phones, and you make one mistake, and you lose it all. I don't like that. Um, and <laughs> isn't it interesting that John Hinckley isn't canceled? Remember John Hinckley? He tried to kill President Reagan, and he's not canceled. Do you remember this? Are you old enough? Well, President Reagan almost died that day, and other lives were changed forever. John Hinckley was the gunman, as you'll remember, found not guilty by reason of insanity. And now he's, uh, well, he's in his 60s and he plays music and he puts it online and he's on Twitter and he's on social media. He stinks at singing and guitar playing, though. that's enough. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want forgiveness for everybody. And, you know, but it's funny. Donald Trump is off social media. He's on. And he recently sold out a concert venue in Brooklyn, New York. Now, the venue was forced to cancel it. 
Uh, it was set for July 8th, and everybody was excited. Uh, they say it was sold out. Now, these liberals in Brooklyn, they will go see anything. They'll, they'll, I, I can see this happening. It's unclear exactly how many tickets were sold, but it's interesting who gets canceled and, and, and who doesn't. John Hinckley is still out there on social media. All right, now it's time for this. Do you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump and you ain't black? You may remember that Joe Biden was recently at the Naval Academy giving the graduation commencement address and uh, bragging and boasting and lying like usual. As I was told, the class of 72 is here. I was appointed to the Academy in 1965 by a senator who I was running against in 1972. <laughs> Never planned it that way. I was, wasn't old enough to be sworn in. I was only 29 years old when I was running. All right. See the bragging and an appointment to the Naval Academy. Now, a lot of us said this doesn't sound right. The timing doesn't work out. The good people at the New York Post looked it up and confirmed it's not true. An appointment to the Naval Academy is a big deal. The New York Post says as follows, no record of Biden Naval Academy appointment that he boasted of in speech. A search of Senator Caleb Boggs's archives has failed to turn up evidence to back up the claim. Again, an appointment, you got to apply, you got to get recommendations, and a senatorial appointment to the Naval Academy is a very big deal, but that's what he does. He just lies in the moment like so many career politicians. All right, now this. Ultimately, I'm always right. Things are pretty gloomy politically, but if you want to cheer yourself up and if you're not really into the Juneteenth celebration, I suggest looking back at Donald Trump's July 4th speech at Mount Rushmore in 2020. I think this will go down in history as perhaps one of the greatest presidential speeches of all time. You got to watch it in its entirety, but here's a portion. This monument will never be desecrated. These heroes will never be defaced. Their legacy will never, ever be destroyed. Their achievements will never be forgotten. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they're doing this, but some know exactly what they are doing. They think the American people are weak, and soft and submissive. But no, the American people are strong and proud. There is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you do not speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. Right after that, he says, it's not going to happen to us. I love it. I love it. Talk about presidential, right? That's presidential. 
Coming up, the January 6th hearings, um, they, they portrayed this guy as a star witness. You'll be thoroughly confused by him. It's kind of fascinating. Stay with us. The January 6th hearings continue to be a total bust. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. Who's the officer? Do you want your house back? Take it! The January 6th hearings are a total and complete disaster. They aren't convincing anybody. They are breaking so many rules, so many rules of fairness. And today, the star witness, uh, I think he did a lot of damage for their side. This is former Judge Ludig. He came to offer his opinion. Very, very bizarre. More on that in a moment. They tried to focus on Mike Pence and what he did and what he was advised to do. I remember on January 4th, what he said he would do just before January 6th, he had a role in this, right? He's going to count the electoral votes, but, well, listen. You know, I know we all, we all got our doubts about the last election. And I want to assure you, I share the concerns of millions of Americans about voting irregularities. And I promise you, come this Wednesday, we'll have our day in Congress. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. We'll hear the objections. We'll hear the evidence. Okay. Real question was, what are you going to do after that? A lot of us thought he had the ability to send those votes to uh, back to the state capitals, not to overturn the elections, but just to make sure that they're straightened out. Uh, and the objections started, and they were starting well. They started successfully. I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what Sport. purpose does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. Uh, is the objection in writing and signed by a senator? Yes, it is. It is. Totally constitutional, totally illegal, under the Electoral Count Act of 1887, you can do that. Now, things, though, on January 6th got crazy. They started letting people into the Capitol. You saw it. I saw it. Some of the cops just stood by. Now, why did that happen? A lot of folks said that they were trying to stop the count. No. No, they were let in to stop the objections. That's what I firmly believe. They were let in. This was somehow facilitated to stop the objections, which were successfully underway. Who knows exactly what Mike uh, Pence was thinking? Was he spooked by all of this? He may have been. And yeah, some of it was brutal. Some of it was really regrettable. I wish it hadn't happened. And those people are paying a big price. But let's put things in perspective here. All right. These are ordinary people yelling something ugly that they shouldn't have yelled, but they did yell it. All right. Hang Mike Pence. Now, I don't think they really meant that. 
That gallows is about a mile away from the Capitol or so, a half mile. You can't hang him from that. They were speaking metaphorically. Still, it was very, very ugly. Not quite as ugly as this, though, because it comes from a United States senator, a sitting United States senator, Chuck Schumer, openly threatened a United States Supreme Court justice. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. (laughs) They can pretend that those people posed a threat to Mike Pence. They did not. Mike Pence was never at risk. They can also pretend that what Paul Gosar and Ted Cruz tried to do was extra constitutional. It wasn't. Jamie Raskin one of the worst of the worst, tried to do the same thing, but he failed. Uh, I have an objection because 10 of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified. Is the objection in writing and signed not only by the member of the House of Representatives, but also by a senator? Is in writing, Mr. President. Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained. Okay, Uh, he did not have his. That was in 2017. They were trying to stop Trump. Do you think he could have gotten a senator to join him? You think they would have loved it if Biden had thrown those electoral votes out? Absolutely. Absolutely. So the January 6th hearing today, they had Judge Ludig. We mentioned him a little bit earlier. He uh, is a retired judge. So that makes him a person with an opinion, a person with an opinion. He was acting like he was the chief justice and also acting a little weird. He was tough to follow at times. I believe is is what happened within the White House and elsewhere as all the the players led by uh, Mr. Eastman got wrapped around the axle by the historical evidence claim. All right. I don't know what's going on here. And then he's asked a direct question about what Mike Pence could do and could not do. Very simple question. It was designed for all of us, us non-lawyers. Look at what happens. Judge Ludig, at the risk of oversimplifying for the non-lawyers who are watching, is it fair to say that the 12th Amendment basically says two things happen? The vice president opens the the certificates and the electoral votes are counted. Is it that straightforward? I would not want that to be my testimony before the Congress of the United States. The language of the 12th Amendment is that simple. What's going on here? He doesn't want it to be his language, but he makes it his language. This is what you need Jim Jordan for, okay? A Republican to straighten all of this stuff out. Multiple people can have different opinions about the Electoral Count Act of 1887 and the 12th Amendment, okay? It happens all the time, but at the January 6th committee, no, they only have one idea about what this means, and they only ask people who agree with them, people like Mike Pence's uh, lawyer, some guy named Jacobs. All right, uh, that's fine. 
Um, who cares? We need, we have a Supreme Court. We, who cares what this guy thinks? And some uh, aide to Mike Pence named Mark Short had something to say. Again, these are just people with opinions. I believe that, um, that Mark did agree. What makes you say that? I believe that's what he told me. But as I mentioned, I think Mark had told so many people so many different things that it was not something that uh, that I would necessarily accept is, okay, well, that means that's resolved. I see. Tell me more what, what he told you on this topic. Well, I think it was that, you know, the vice president doesn't have any broader role. And I think he was understanding that. So despite the fact that he may have said other things to the president or others, to you, he said he understands the vice yes. president has no role. Yes. Okay. Did he say that to you several times? All right. His recollection of something, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. It really doesn't. The Electoral Count Act of 1887 and Donald Trump and, 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 and Mike Pence disagreeing about something, that's okay. There's historical precedence for this, all right? FDR got into it with his vice president, some guy named Garner. It was so bad that Garner chose to run against FDR. I mean, this is not the most unusual thing. People can disagree. And yes, I've read the Electoral Count Act. It is complicated. And I've seen five to four decisions at the Supreme Court, seven to two, six to three. This committee, it's doing everybody a disservice. It really is trying to pretend that there's only one way to look at this stuff. Hey, oh, by the way, you know who was there behind uh, the star witness? Tell me if this guy's familiar. That's Gunnell. Uh, Officer Gunnell, one of the Capitol Hill cops. I don't get it. These guys sitting in the front row. He should be working. But there he is sitting. And it just he's on our time, by the way. That's taxpayer money. Stay with us. We're going to meet a guy who just won a seat in the House. He was endorsed by President Trump. This is a very critical race in South Carolina. Trump wanted the other guy gone. His man won. Be right back. Russell is a conservative warrior who will give no quarter to the socialist left. So I want to ask everybody in this incredible state, I love this state, to get out and vote for Russell Fry on June 14th, which is my birthday. <laughs> and Russell Fry did it on Donald Trump's birthday. Russell Fry is now the nominee for the United States Congress uh, in that very important district in South Carolina. Congratulations, Mr. Fry. How are you? I'm doing great, Greg. Thank you for having me tonight. Hey, by the way, the word is uh, <laughs> nothing's a done deal, but you're going to have no problem in November against the Democrat. I don't think so. This is a this is an incredibly uh, Trump heavy district. It was it's ruby red. Uh, so we're but we're going to rock on. We're not going to leave any stone unturned. There are so many Republicans, independents, and even Democrats who are tired of what is going on all in right. our nation's capital. Right let's let's talk about the guy you beat, uh, Mr. Rice. He was uh, all pro impeachment on Trump for January sixth. I saw him on the fake news a couple of weeks ago. I couldn't believe it. He was spouting off all of the talking points and all of the misinformation, really about January 6th and about what the president was accused of doing. It was he was a victim of fake news in a way. I think so, too. I mean, you know, he, he kind of bought into the Liz Cheney narrative. I mean, Liz Cheney endorsed him. I think she did a fundraiser for him 
you know, he did every which way and people were tired of him and they really saw through it. And, and when he said that Liz Cheney should be Speaker of the House, you know, everyone was perplexed and going, is he trying to lose at this point? Because it just didn't make any sense. I think the one elected official who might be less popular than Tom Rice in South Carolina is Liz Cheney herself. And so uh, to, to kind of do that just doesn't make any sense. This is an America first uh, movement that we see. And it's an America first district. You know, I think it's very seductive for some of these people. You know, the more you alienate your constituents, the more the fake news, the elites, the swamp will embrace you. And maybe he fell prey to that. But anyway, he's uh, he's history now. When you get to Congress, America first, we know that. Anything special, anything unique to you that you want to make happen for us? Listen, I think border security, we have to get there. Right? There's a lot of issues. And you, you talk to the voters and they're talking the economy and inflation, border security. And I've done a lot of a lot of work in the state level on opioids. And we got to get the border right. It's an immigration issue. It's a fentanyl issue. It's human trafficking. I think we have to get that right. And at the end of the day, you know, if we're a country without borders, we cease to be a country. I think we have that, that's got to be one of the, the pillars of what a new conservative majority would focus on. And I think uh, I'd love to be a part of that. Uh, by the way, the president, President Trump, that is, put out a truth social post, and uh, he's thrilled for you. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen if we have it, please. The biggest news of the evening so far is that Russell Fry beat impeach master Tom Rice with a vote of more than 51 percent, winning outright with no need for a runoff. Congratulations to Russell on running a great campaign. Uh, we echo those words. Uh, congratulations. We look forward to seeing you in Congress and uh, to be continued, okay? Thank you, sir. Appreciate you being on here. You bet. You bet. Many thanks. And we'll be right back. Remember when they did this to Clarence Thomas in the 90s? This is a circus. It's a national disgrace. And from my standpoint, as a black American, as far as I'm concerned, it is a high-tech lynching for uppity blacks. And it is a message that unless you kowtow to an old order, this is what will happen to you. You will be lynched, destroyed, caricatured by a committee of the U.S. US Senate rather than hung from a tree. God bless that man. Wow. Now they're going after his family, his wife, Ginny Thomas. You probably heard about her in the text messages. Has anyone actually gone through the text messages? They're harmless. OK, during the, the election and the aftermath and the controversy, she was just cheering on Mark Meadows. I expect her to know important people in government. She's not in a position of authority. She's just voicing her opinion. And guess what? That is constitutionally protected free speech. Good for you, Ginny Thomas. And Clarence Thomas, we're lucky you're there. Thank you. We'll be right back. All right, 10 o'clock. It's not too late, right? Oh, but now it's almost 11. Thank you. See you tomorrow.